0: Welcome to the Salted Podcast. We are translating and transforming our view of politics, pop culture, and personal preference. This episode, we discuss biblical masculinity. What is it? What isn't it? And why is it so hard to talk about? Let's get salty. Welcome to the Salted Podcast. My name is Yon. This is Dan. And we are talking about masculinity. And, you know... This is a topic that I find near and dear to my heart as a man who carries around a very large beard.
1: (laughs) I like the imagery of carrying it around. Yeah, well, it has to be carried around. It's a burden. It's a burden.
0: Um, (laughs) So we thought that it would be a great opportunity to talk about um, biblical masculinity, gospel-centered masculinity, and take a look at some of the counterfeits that go around and, uh, and what are some different worldviews contributing to um, maybe a, a failed perception of what manhood is, and some of the um, some of the consequences uh, that some of these pre- uh, counterfeit worldviews are showing up.
1: Some societal trends. Yeah, I mean, Mark Judge writes an article um, posted December thirteenth, uh, just a year, um, not even a year ago. Yon, here's the title: Our culture is experiencing a crisis of masculinity. Uh, I, I think. Um, it's becoming more and more obvious that that's not a unique perspective. That sure. It's, uh, yeah. And this shows up in
0: some statistics that we're going to share with you. But before we do that, we also want you to know that the personal preferences at the end. You're going to find out um, what's better to be an indoor man or an outdoor man. Ooh-hoo-hoo. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but like you said. Um, This gentleman, Mark Judge, wrote an article saying, our culture is experiencing a crisis of masculinity, and how would you adjudicate that, and how would you measure a crisis, and why would he say that? Well, there's a couple kind of chief numbers there's a lot of different data out there but some of the main issues are are some of the problems that are showing up for men exclusively um or even more prevalently i shouldn't say not exclusively but more prevalently for men than women uh are some kind of alarming things that we would that we would kind of equate with not necessarily a cultural definition of manhood but kind of are reflective of some of um a delayed entrance into adulthood or manhood yeah um specifically 33% of men ages 22 to 34 still live at at home with their parents. So that's one in three age 22 to 34. Now that's a big gap, right? 22 to 34, the things going on in your life, 22 if you graduate college, and 34 are very different. But one-third of the men living at home with their parents, this is a 100% increase
1: in the past 20 years, 100%. And really it's been a... It's a pretty low-hanging fruit joke that I've heard um, in for, yeah, for totally. a long time right mm-hmm. comedians and uh, kind of ribbing men for living at home in the basement uh, and then once the internet hit you know they're bloggers down there they live with the, they yep. got their dress socks on and boxer shorts and yep. Um, yep. but, but man, an increase of a hundred percent of quote unquote failure to launch in some cases. Yes. The whole movie, there's a whole movie about yeah. it. And then they hire an expert female to go and help them
0: identify their manhood yep. and, um, launch
1: into the world. It's a complex issue too. And there's a lot of reasons, very, very explainable reasons, which we won't get into now, but third of men, one out of three, yep. you know, 22 to 34, right? Late adolescence and, and young adulthood. Um, yep. And additionally,
0: um, the suicide rate among men is significantly higher than ar- among among women. In twenty twenty, this is maybe this was shocking news to me when I when I heard about it. But in twenty twenty, men died by suicide almost four times more than women. That's so incredible. For, which is white, and they say white males accounted for seventy percent of suicide deaths in twenty twenty. So, um, and the highest rate is in middle aged white men. So. There is a, and if you and if you do any study on this, there's some, there's there's an epidemic among men um, around, around suicide, around failure to launch and to kind of launch out on their own, and there's lots of things that um that could be causes for this. But ultimately, we're trying to say, well, the, if someone's going to make a claim that there's a crisis of masculinity, here are a couple of pretty big indicators: whether it's taking their own lives at a significantly higher rate than women, or um failing to kind of adult for yeah. lack of a better turn and t- take kind of responsibility for their own lives and launch out into the world are two pretty big indicators of a, a crisis in
1: masculinity. Which is um, unique to men. 56% of men have not launched out on their own between 18 and 24, uh, and it indicates that men uh, are falling behind in life and seem unmotivated and listless based on these kind of general statistics that start to show up um, in, right. in identifying what what men are facing
0: yep and then so when we look at this crisis then the next question is well what you know those are some like what are the benchmarks we have for for masculinity like how do we know how do we resolve the crisis and by, by attempting to resolve the crisis, we want to aim at okay, what's the ideal, right? What's mm-hmm. the opposite of the crisis? What would the ideal look like in a in biblical masculinity? And this is, I think, where the really hard part gets to when we start trying to describe this or define this and say, what's the target on the wall that we ourselves as men can adhere to? For even if you're a female and you're a woman and you're looking and, and you are either married, you're in a relationship, or you're looking or not looking or you're interacting with other men or with men in general, like what's the target on the wall for, for what biblical masculinity looks like. Um, That's the, that's where we kind of get in the, okay, what this is where the difficulty and challenging part for the conversation. Yeah,
1: this is a challenging topic. Um, It's a challenging topic because we agree that it's a crisis. We agree that there are limitless counterfeits, counterfeit, counterfeit manhood at the same time that it's a crisis and there's counterfeits from a christian gospel lens biblical masculinity is not clearly articulated as distinct right and, and what i mean by that is what i don't mean is that the bible in the christian worldview does not advance that men and women are different it doesn't right but in so many ways what it describes is a distinction based on culture, uh, or in the context of the culture that they're living in. Right? I'll give you an example. Men should, um, men. This is just hypothetical. It's not in the Bible, but men should plow the ground for the harvest. You know, for the for the um, planting and and for the harvest. And the women should bake the drinking utensil or the um, the drinking um dishes right. in the oven right right so by bake i mean like clay make, sure yeah. bake the clay yeah, right yeah. so that's what i mean so yeah there's no the bible has said men do this
0: women do this men when you're doing it when you're doing this do it this way women
1: when you're right. doing this do it this way and if it does say that it's highly contextualized in that culture. Sure, for yeah. example, like what are you, you and I doing with that text that says men should plow the field for har, for har, planting and harvest and women should bake the drinking utensils, you know, the drinking dishes in the kiln, you know, I mean, so that's what I mean. So one of the challenges that it's not clearly articulated separate from, is it the culture? Um, and then when characteristics of masculinity are described uh are those characteristics exclusively to men? Are those characteristics exclusively to women, or is it uh, do they apply to both? Right. And what we do see in the scripture is some level of clarity that um, that men are distinct from women. And then the natural question is: um, Is it only the obvious distinctions? Yon is it like the only obvious distrin- distinctions of size and strength. Um, and there's so many unpopular truths that surface in the Bible that um, maybe the true design distinctions that the Christian worldview advances are inappropriate in our culture or offensive sure uh, in our backdrop um, especially I mean uh, not the least of which includes progressive women uh, here in our enlightened modern culture so that that makes it, it doesn't make it impossible, but it makes it extra challenging. Right? Yeah, and you know, and
0: even 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 having—I mean, this is a bit of a you know the the anomaly of having the conversation where, well, you know what is a woman, what's a man? Like that whole conversation is a is a very big cultural conversation right now, um, specific to like the trans movement and everything. But even apart from that, the question of okay, well, what 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 makes masculinity unique? Like you said, it's a it's a bit of an uncomfortable conversation to start talking about, well, there are unique differences and what are some of those baseline ones, right? Well, there are, if you go on Wikipedia, there's actually, a, it lays out a lot. It lays out a lot of physical, physiological differences, which is obviously testosterone um, differences and size and muscle mass, And but there's also a lot of psychological differences in terms of like the big five personality, men are more assertive, all that stuff. So there are some real actually statistical differences, but the you know the question then becomes, is, well, how do those differences show up in biblical gospel gospel-centered right. mascul- masculinity and femininity. And there really is not a, you know, God has called us all to be um, like Jesus, to be sanctified, to, um, and so, you know, it we're, <laughs> these character traits, like you said, a- apply to both. There's some right. physiological and psychological differences, but the difficult thing is, like, these character traits, God is calling
1: men and women right. to similar character traits, and it, there's nothing unique. It, exactly, and roles and responsibilities change over time along with the culture changes and you know the as i mentioned some of the distinct roles and responsibilities that work in one cult one ancient culture uh here in our modern convenience culture uh you know you and i aren't hunting and gathering you and i aren't uh wrestling livestock um, in order to feed our families and and so that's uh that's that makes it you know that makes it challenging when you're trying to interpret an, an ancient uh, scripture text and make sure that the, the application is accurate right. rather than just, you know, like, hey, um, here's timeless descriptions of the roles and responsibilities of men and women. Right. And, and, yeah, and one of the things that makes it
0: hard is I think we're all pretty good at identifying what biblical masculinity isn't there's a lot of counterfeits out there. I mean, Andrew Tate's in the news for the last couple of months. He's a guy who lots of, he advocates a specific counterfeit brand of masculinity mm-hmm. was kind of built on power and dominance and assertiveness and, um, you know, the, builds in the, you know, the difference, the, the, the male's role as a protector. And a lot of people find that appealing, a lot of men find that appealing mm-hmm. because he's, A, he's validating masculinity and some yeah. of those, those differences. Um, in a way that is not necessarily culturally like you said it's it's you know it's eggshelly type of conversations like can we talk about like we're talking about what in the in the realm of a conversation maybe around the patriarchy and how men dominate everything to identify and and celebrate the fact that men are protectors or like that's a culturally not a that's been something that's kind of been tamped down and so but so he talks about it and that that kind of Speaks to young men's hearts, but it's a counterfeit because it's very exploitive. It's it's yeah. um, lording their power over people. Um, but I mean, that's completely, yeah, yeah totally, uh, con- uh,
1: completely counter to the to the right uh, but, Christian yeah. narrative, the right. worldview.
0: Right. But what he's doing is he's describing. Um, we can see that and say, that's not right. Right. But he's describing some things that are, that we would say, okay, those are some physiological differences. And, and he's describing those kind of true biological things, but the character traits and the way it shows up and the fruit of it are obviously things that we can say, no, that's not, that's not right. Yeah. Um, Toxic masculinity. um, We would all say whatever the definition of that is. A lot of times, you know, you know, exploiting people, yeah, lording your power, abuse of so like, like that's you know, a very aggressive, totally not in control of yourself, yeah, like demeaning, those are, yeah, demeaning
1: and belittling yeah. the personhood of the female, and, right? Yeah, yeah, we
0: can see we would, we would all look at those and say, Yeah, those are not the definition of biblical manhood. But when again, when we go to the opposite side, we're like, Well, what are the definitions of biblical manhood? Again, they're not clearly articulated, which is what makes this conversation yeah. so very difficult,
1: yeah. And, and one other area that makes this topic challenging too is that biblically it does seem impossible to define masculinity apart from context of a relationship right out of right out of the gate in the book of genesis the context that we're given for masculinity is this context god created a male and a female male and female created them they are they are brought together in union and then they're given this mandate to subdue kind of Right. Work the earth, right? Yep. So right from the get go, we see the man in the context of a relationship to right. a wife. Literally, and, right after it's like, oh, geez. yeah, <laughs> literally, yeah. And then in the context of cultivating a family and then flourishing a civilization. So the other that I think that's worth note- think, noticing too, that um, apart from the context of a relationship with wife and family, uh, be fruitful and multiply. Um, it's it's really difficult to discern distinctions for men and manhood that is outside and separate sure. from that that yep. is unique to men. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. The, what's the when like you like we just
0: described? It's difficult to describe the uniqueness in the in the character and the biblical fruit between a man and a woman. But then it shows up much more clearly when you're in context of relationship mm-hmm. to a another like a a, the the person that completes them like the woman or if having kids right the context of being around other people um and this is and i think this is actually where a lot of it actually shows up in a lot of different places and this is where we get like lots of i mean you know there's a whole book on women are from Mars and women are from men are from Mars and women are from visas, Venus. Right. So just the idea that men and women are from two totally different planets. And why is that even a conversation? Well, because they're in relationship with each other. And so we're trying to figure out how do you even have a conversation or how do you interact with each other? And that kind of lends itself to a lot of interesting cultural, like, you know, jokes and memes. Um, (laughs) And we actually, and just to highlight it, we found this like old timey, it would be the equivalent of a meme, but it's like in the, it's like in an old timey newspaper. Yeah, it actually looks like a textbook. Oh, maybe it isn't. Maybe it is a. It is I don't know what newspaper. it is. But it it's like a, a, it, it's in a museum. It's from 1918. Oh, it's a pamphlet. It's a pamphlet. Yes. Yeah. It's a. It's a pamphlet by a suffragette. In nineteen eighteen, right. So suffragettes, just for context, is women who are um, advocating that they are essentially treated equally and getting voting rights. Yeah. So um, maybe a little bit of bias towards men uh, as <laughs> they advance. Maybe they, yeah. m- right? Maybe rightly so. But maybe th- we'll see this right. show up in the <laughs> right. list. <laughs> right. But they're giving they're giving advice on marriage to young ladies, <laughs> and so this is again there are this is some cultural. Distinction from a hundred years ago of the me, the difference between men and women um, pertaining to the relationship or the potential relationship with each other. Um, do you want to go through? Them? There's there's eight of them. We can well, go. Let's through. alternate. Let's okay. Alternate. So
1: they give advice to marriage on young ladies. Number one is so imagine a young lady getting this uh, pamphlet and this suffragette has written here's some advice on marriage. Number one, do not marry at all. Right. Who <laughs> actually sounds like Paul. Anyways.
0: Uh, number two. Uh, but if you do. But if you must avoid beauty men, flirts, and the bounders, Taylor's dummies, and the
1: football enthusiasts, <laughs> which is, I don't know what a beauty man is. I know what a football enthusiast football is. Some, some of us would be like, oh, yeah. we're in trouble. Number three, look for a strong, tame man, a firelighter, coal getter window cleaner and yard swiller. <laughs> yeah. And those, if you don't know what those are, like... They're useful.
0: Yeah, firelight are useful. They, they light the lamps in the streets. They go and get <laughs> coal. They they actually do something, right? This yeah. is a good question for our personal no. preferences of inside or outdoor exactly, men. These exactly. are all outdoor men. But
1: keep in mind, they have to be strong men, but also tame. Tame, yes. yes. Not wild.
0: Yep, exactly. Uh, number four is don't accept too much. Most men are lazy, selfish, thoughtless, lying, drunken,
1: clumsy, heavy-footed, rough, unmanly brutes, and need taming oh my gosh number five all bachelors are and many are worse still yes so what are they saying all bachelors are number four I just said right
0: and many are worse still if you want him to be happy feed the brute
1: underlined yes underlined Uh, The same remark, number seven, the same remark applies to dogs. Yes, so there you go. <laughs> Men are dogs. Man. I thought
0: it was pigs. Anyways. Uh, and the last one, number eight, is you will be wiser not to chance
1: it. It isn't worth the risk. Okay. So there you go, ladies, our, our listening audience of the female um, sex. Boom. Right. And so,
0: look, what does this tell us? It doesn't tell us much, but it does give us a picture into... Again, we were talking about what is biblical masculinity. And we could read that and we could probably say in context, right, it's impossible. It's almost impossible to define biblical masculinity apart from the context of being in relationship with other people. Well, if you're single, right, you're in relationship with other people. Um, or if you're married, you're in a relationship with a spouse, um, specifically the person that God created that cr- like completes us in the way that God describes that in Genesis, like you said. Or with our kids, the way that we are interacting right. with our kids, and that's where the the kind of the uniqueness shows up in those in the way in which those character traits, which are kind of broadly applied to all Christians, men and women, kind of show up maybe uniquely
1: for men in a, in a concept yeah. of biblical masculinity. That's good. So um, here's what we've said: it's challenging because from a Christian gospel lens. Biblical masculinity is not clearly articulated as distinct, right? Is it cultural only? Is it character-based? Um, is it physical traits only? Uh, we're not quite always sure. Um, secondly, biblically, it seems to impossible to define masculinity apart from the context of, um, as Jung described, uh, relationship with wife and family. Um, and then thirdly, it requires clarity on purpose of life, or answering the question and knowing, really knowing a clear answer to the question, why are we here? Yeah. So, um, yeah, and Yon, know, um, you know, there's a lot that could be said about this. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, I mean, the question. I mean, I think um, some of the, someone wrote a book about this. There's a New York Times author who wrote a whole book about how there's a, the plague of happiness, the, ha- the happiness uh, epidemic in Western Amer- in the mm. Western world. Now, everyone identifies the pursuit of happiness as the ultimate goal of life um and when we look at how do we define biblical masculinity if we are if we answer the question of why we exist and why we're here if the answer is happiness that will shape our definition Mm. of what biblical masculinity looks like yeah um and pertaining to even the last two things that we talked about in terms of the, the, the interpersonal relational context in which I find myself and also some of the you know the, the differences in physiology, physiology and psychology. right. So it's like the question is well, well, it's difficult because the opposite of happiness, right maybe in, God, in God's economy and when he, what he what he calls us to do is not pursue a life of happiness um, or even hedonism, Right, which isn't mm-hmm. which is in the Andrew Tate category of things like hey right. you like women exist for my pleasure they mm-hmm. exist you know my life is both happiness and which is um, exclusively in the idea of seeking pleasure um, but the difference is is there is there another um real kind of um genuine tract of bis- biblical masculinity which is the 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 pursuit of holiness yeah and so God calls us into these in different environments in which all of these things of biblical the,
1: the goal of life is to be sanctified and become holy like God is holy which like which what we're saying is that when you have clarity that your life is exists for the purpose of holiness, then along with that comes some roles, responsibilities, and some distinctions sure. for the man. Right. If your life exists on this earth, this is why you're here as a man is to be happy, that changes the the way in which you understand your identity and uh, the distinctions that the male has and and uh, forces really, um, I think, all kinds of limitless permissions to exploit women and use yeah. and take advantage of yep. and 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 really, what it says is, if that's why I exist, then I certainly can demand and dominate to make sure. myself happy. Yeah.
0: And if we go through the first two things we said, like the first one, like it would show up in like you said if i'm a, if my goal in life is to be happy then i show up and i i can physically assert myself and achieve what i want to achieve based on my my again i can dominate women i can dominate other men i can intimidate them i can be a, utilize my toxic masculinity to get what i want to make me happy and then also in the context of relationships i mm-hmm. can use those relationships exist for me so i can then assert myself to so that my if i if i do get married that woman exists for my happiness, right? Right. If I have kids, they exist for my happiness. And, you know, the traits and the way our character shows up in the context of not only the the goal of being happy but also in the context of being married or having kids or being in a relationship it shows up very differently and it shows up in some ways that we would all probably say no that's not you know that's a that's not the definition of biblical masculinity yeah. but sometimes it shows up
1: because our goal is happiness yeah, one so. of my favorite books to read about this topic actually is in a marriage book by timothy keller he writes a, a book called the meaning of marriage and he actually says in marriage there is a poisonous cancer And that poisonous cancer that slowly kills marriages is selfishness around pursuing my own happiness. Mm, And that to the degree in which you selfishly pursue your own happiness, you're undermining your own marriage. Because in his estimation, he says that the biblical worldview, the purpose of marriage is holiness it creates and causes you to do things that change you and mature you and grow you up and grow you together in union in marriage. And those things are selfless sacrifice. Right. Yeah. And if my goal is happiness, I don't need to, I I, I don't, there's no room for selfless sacrifice. Right. It's, it's the opposite of the, um, my perception that I exist for happiness or my marriage exists for my happiness. Right. right? Or, or if you have a holiness view of why you're married, then you make all kinds of room for self-emptying love. Yep. Um, he would call suffer love the highest form of love. My mm. willingness, my love expressed in my suffering right. for yep. you, uh, and then love in action, not in feeling. That that would be a holiness. Uh, that if you if you have a happiness view of your marriage or your worldview, then you want to feel the feels. Right. Yeah. And if you don't, if you have a holiness, you're willing to put your love in action whether it feels good or it doesn't. So again, um, we really do need clarity on our purpose of life and why we're here so that we could better understand what our role is and what our responsibilities are, but separately, what are our distinct traits. Right, yeah. And I think this is, I mean, again, all of the things
0: you just described, you can e- extrapolate outside of marriage into other relationships as well. It's obviously yeah. unique in a marriage relationship, but if you've worked with anybody, you know, if you, if, if everyone exists for my happiness, I'm not going to have a very productive work environment with my team and with my peers or even have friends. If my yeah. friends exist only for my happiness, right. right, it poisons all of that. and so and, and so as we think of the idea of biblical masculinity, we look at, well, who was the perfect man? Right, and I think some people will be like, "Oh, yeah, well, well, Adam was before, yeah, but Jesus showed up as as literally the perfect man." And yeah. what is Jesus' life marked by? It's marked by everything you just described, right? Right. It, it's marked by uh, that selfishness, selflessness, that sacrifice, that self-emptying love. Yeah. And the irony is that I mean, is that that's what Jesus calls both men and women to do, who are Christ followers. But right. then the question, as we said, is based on the unique. Physical, physiological, and psychological uniqueness of men, based on the context in which men find themselves in relationship with other people, and on the purposes of our life,
1: how do they show up? And we think that they do show up in some in yeah. some unique ways. Yeah, and uh, they show up in unique ways that we want to dive into, not in just one podcast episode, but actually in kind of a, a launch of a new podcast. Right. So. Uh, we are featuring a podcast called meet maturing in manhood uh, and this will help us dive into a christian worldview on masculinity that'll help us better understand what um, what does maturing in manhood look like and so i along with pastor jonathan valetta uh, are going to offer familiar and trusted wisdom for literally offering trusted wisdom <laughs> From familiar voices for modern dudes and dads yeah. and disciples Yeah. on purpose with the three Ds. You know? Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, I, I,
0: as a person who's not participating in the podcast, I am excited for people who listen to it because I've had access to you guys, both of you guys as friends. Um, for a long time and so all of the stuff you're going to talk about and all the modeling of all the things you're talking about I've had access to um, and many times in my life have I said or done something which Jonathan Valletta has just shook his head at and said you're like a little boy right? yeah. <laughs> what a dummy right um, and so uh, you're you don't you, you don't do that you're no. like oh okay um, uh, so I'm just glad that everybody gets kind of um, get access to you guys and to your thoughts and and what's because like we said, there is a crisis, whether you're a man or a woman, look, you're, if you're a single woman, um, we would say, like, listen to this and you're going to hear why, what, what are some traits of some, some men that even if you're friends with, you want to be friends with and you want to look for a, a spouse, Boom! If you're if you're married, here's some things that what biblical manhood could look like. If you're if you're raising boys, you're trying to think, what do I do with these with these little little psychos who're just running around like raging out and all this stuff? Sure, um, listen to it because um, like it and subscribe to it. I
1: mean, this is for this is for really um, to have a good mental health and a flourishing life. In general, we I think we all would agree that men need good fathers and strong male role models. And they also need to have a sense of a kind of a cosmic destiny or the recognition that they have a purpose in the world that's been given to them by their creator. Right. And so what pastor Jonathan and I are hoping to do expecting to do really is again, add another trusted voice because we think that they are needed to build brotherhood among local church families specifically. Yeah. So, um, and and we're we're kind of inspired by this passage in Titus, uh, uh, Titus two six. This reference goes like this: in the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely. And so, what we're aiming to do is provide thirty minutes per episode of some wisdom for young men to live wisely. So, I'm not sure we're going to dig in and solve all of the distinction questions or um, really kind of uh, provide. Um, so much intellectual stimulation but we do believe that god has given us everything we need to help younger men and help uh shape what that maturing in manhood looks like and in the same way encourage the young men to live wisely and i think what we're aiming to do is 30 minutes encourage young men to live wisely
0: well there you go don't listen to that one if you're not going to listen to this if you're going to choose between that one or this one <laughs> i'm gonna selfish selfishly say
1: you I'd not expect a, nothing less yep, from you
0: yeah i mean they don't even have beards so <laughs> uh okay so personal preference time because we're talking about masculinity uh the question is do you want to be if you had your choice would you be an indoor man or would you be an
1: outdoor man i like the question we should get to it asap but i hope people caught what we did there we didn't really do a um transformed view right of yes. masculinity from the christian worldview what we said was we're going to be tackling that in yes a, in a Correct. whole new podcast mm-hmm. right yep. so if you were waiting for what does the scripture teach us on right. biblical masculinity slash maturing in manhood it exists it's real it's a thing it's just not a, it's, <laughs> it's called just, a, Cliffhanger. That's right. <laughs> another You'll cliffhanger. You'll never know another cliffhanger unless you go. Yeah. So personal preferences. Maturing in indoor-
0: manhood. Sorry, maturing in manhood is the name of the podcast. So thank go you. Get it. Thank you. Uh, yeah So personal preference. Would you rather be an indoor man or an outdoor man? By indoor man, we mean someone who is indoors and is likes maybe reading, watching movies, playing games, hmm. philosophizing. Talking or with friends or talking with coffee. Friends, yes. Or okay. a, a yum, delicious scotch. Um <laughs> like Ron Burgundy. Um oh, okay. or <laughs> would you rather be an outdoor man who is camping, um fishing. firing, yeah. fishing, hunting, hiking, hiking, climbing
1: mountains, flying, things of that nature. Hmm. I don't I don't ever answer these questions black and white, as you know. And uh I kind of feel like I have to make the distinction on this one too. So here's my answer: on vacation, outdoor. The indoor stuff hits its hit kind of hit the wall pretty quick on the indoor. So on the vacation, I'm I want to be outdoors. I want to be walking, hiking, fishing, um, sailboarding, swimming, um, even outdoors on the beach. I could tolerate in low doses, uh, but I like to be kind of active outside however as an everyday life kind of a thing being outdoors demands so much extra equipment layers all that stuff i like the simplicity of i can be inside sipping a coffee having a good conversation so you've picked indoors, indoors. Oh, you picked indoors. indoors so indoors, that yeah. was your that yeah. was your
0: final answer Yeah that's my <laughs> final answer <laughs> Because you're not on vacation all the time. That's right. Okay. What uh, about you? Um, I don't know. I like going. I think I really like going outdoors because I know I'm gonna go back indoors. I don't <laughs> know if that's
1: what in the world. I spent a lot of the yeah uh, like really? it was like
0: 13 years in the Marine Corps, right? So I am mean, right. like I really like the idea that we could just go into the woods and yeah camp and survive and um, but also. But you like being outdoors because you know you're gonna be indoors. Because I know it's gonna kind of come to an end. and We're gonna go take a shower and go oh. relax a little bit, right? But I really so. so I that's So if you're what,
1: outdoors, you like being indoors.
0: Yeah, if I'm in, I'm a just maybe I'm a chronic malcontent. If I'm indoors, like I'm like, why am I wasting my time watching TV? I should yeah. be outdoors walking right. with the kids. Right. And, or then I'm outdoors, I'm like, I could stay out here for a while. But then it's like, I'll go walk out in the snow because I know I can come it's back. Not permanent, yeah. Yeah. As opposed to like I was doing like cold weather training with the Marines. I'm like. There's literally no, there's no escape the cold. You go no. in
1: a tent and it's still freezing. But so, yeah. so I think that you just gave a more nuanced, gray, muddy answer than I've ever given. Well, that's what that's what I'm saying. That's and I'm that I'm gonna. I think that's a black and white look <laughs> for sure. I'm a man. I'm asserting myself. <laughs> I don't follow the rules. Type. Yes, yeah. I love it.
0: You're the archetype, as far as I'm concerned. Yep. If you want to be a man, just follow me on Instagram and you'll see what it is. I don't have Instagram, yeah. but you know, uh, like us, subscribe to us, share uh, Salt the Podcast with your friends and family, and uh, only, if for you love them. Only, if only if you love them. Only if you love them. If you hate them, don't you dare do that's have. right. So uh, thanks for we'll catching next time. Thanks so much for checking out the Salted Podcast. You can find other episodes and topics on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure you click follow so you'll get notifications whenever new episodes come out. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thanks so much for checking out the Salted Podcast. You can find other episodes and topics on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Make sure you click follow so you'll get notifications whenever new episodes come out. Thanks for listening.